Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, thank you for introducing us and getting us started. Um, you look very beautiful, by the way. Thanks. I like your beach waves. Oh, thanks. It's uh, sea salt. <laughs> yeah, um. sea salt. Yeah, beach waves. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'm really excited for today's message, and I'm also somewhat um, timid because um, usually the reasons that you don't talk about sex is because everyone is usually, um, okay, so let me back up. The reason that most people don't talk about sex in church is because they're experiencing some type of immorality themselves, mm-hmm. um, or because they don't want to step on any toes, and so it's like... Uh, just kind of like a sensitive topic Um, and so that's why we really wanted to uh, encourage you to listen to uh, after today listen to last week's message because we have a lot of really positive things to say about sex um, and how God created it and all that stuff Um, and today we wanted to rather than making it uh, more of a message uh, we really wanted it to be kind of conversation focused Um, I don't know if I'll be as I'll be able to keep to that conversation style but the whole heart that we have yeah. is to make this more of a laid back kind of topic, and hence the shirt, right? Yeah, laid back, uh, <laughs> just chill out. Yeah. And so we, we definitely don't want this to come across as like in your face condemning. Yeah. Um, not at all. We, we really want to give insight on what the Bible has to say about, um, about sexual immorality and what it is. And and really to guide us to a better place with God. Yeah. So I hope that that's a good understanding for everyone. And as we get into today, mm-hmm. uh, I want to really share that we are giving our biblical opinion to Scripture. And if you have a different opinion, we are not trying to say you're going to hell. We we just we just align differently in our beliefs. And so how you go about um, finding truth that's that's between you and God and we're not trying to stand in the way of that but you know when we have found truth we we feel like it's our duty as pastors to share that truth with others and if you disagree with it we encourage you to examine the scriptures yourself and if you still find disagreement you know that that is that's your opinion and like you're right and everything so we're not trying to bring any kind of condemnation or anything like that I hope yeah, that's clear very clear um, so getting started, uh, the the title today is pretty, you know, in your face, it seems like, The Consuming Darkness of Perversion. Yeah. And the the reason I wanted that title is really to give a very elaborated idea of what the perversion of sex is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a consuming darkness. It, it is a darkness that, that consumes every part of you, even if you give just a little bit to this darkness that darkness continues to grow and grow um, if, not, uh, if not taken out. And so the, the definition of perversion is the alteration of something from the original course, meaning uh, a state of dis- distortion or corruption of what was first intended. Yeah. That's why we really encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message because we talk all about the intention of sex. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the perversion of that intention. Yeah. Um, taking sex out of... Uh, God's intention, taking it out of per- the parameters He gave for mankind, mm-hmm. um, 
And the biggest, like, clearest parameter is sex uh, in a monogamous relationship within marriage. Yeah. Um, and we compared it to a fire. There's even a proverb that says, can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned? And it's talking about sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you, fire is in a fireplace, it's, it's great. It's healthy. It's warm. It's comforting. Um, it's useful. But when it's out of that fireplace, it can burn a house down. Yeah. Uh, so... The, I wanted to, to share an example of how, how far perversion can go. Mm-hmm. Um, the story that I always think about is a story of Ariel Castro, who, um, for those of y'all who remember, several years ago, he was caught for um, harboring, he had kidnapped three girls in, at different ages, I think it was 14, 16, and 20, mm-hmm. that they were all originally captured um, one is kept, that was kept uh, for over 10 years in his basement as a sex slave. And the, it's called the House of Horrors. And, uh, horrors. and when, when, uh, when he was caught, when they finally got uh, freedom and, and these girls finally got to uh, escape, this was all in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and Castro was arrested and when they were doing the final sentencing I mean this guy uh, was a psychopath he 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 literally kidnapped these these three girls at such a young age he was a school bus driver mm-hmm. and he he captured them and he used them for his own selfish desires against their will and he justified all the actions he was doing because it gave him pleasure yeah. and you would think uh, that there'd be some type of regret, remorse within a person, but even in his final statements, um, it's it's almost like makes you want to vomit of how he talks about like just no like um, like a false sense of remorse and a part where he says, well, there was times that they actually wanted it, and it's just like he had no no real perception of how his actions were so incredibly horrendously wrong. Um, just like it was still like mildly wrong to him and in his final statement he was saying things like I'm not a monster I'm just sick and he actually uh, while rambling in a statement he attributed all of his heinous crimes to the origin of having a pornography addiction and it's it's really insane to think about that his whole all of that he did, rape, he had over 923 accounts of crime against these girls from uh, rape, but trying to force, uh, force one of the girls to have an abortion by starving her and beating her. I mean, it is just horrendous when you, when you hear about the depths of this story. And he, he goes and puts it all onto the start of when he first was ready to kidnap this girl and it was because he had an overwhelm, uh, an overwhelming pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. Talks about he, how he couldn't stop watching porn for hours and hours a day. That he couldn't stop, and that it just grew to where it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this crazy imagery of this story really shows of how that darkness is consuming, mm-hmm. how it literally consumes a person to where they they act in a way that they wouldn't. And to know that uh, he's saying that this came from a pornography addiction 
And when you look at the statistics of how many men and women mm -hmm. are addicted to pornography today, think about how, how much farther of a step is it for someone else committing some of these heinous crimes. Yeah. And when you think to yourself like, well, that would never happen to me. I would never do that. Th that is actually how dangerous darkness is, is that it continuously consumes and it doesn't stop. It always grows and needs more. Yeah. And for anyone that thinks that, that that's not true, and I, I want you to just think about the first time you saw any kind of nudity or pornography, and did you ever have to start watching more? Or did you have to ever start going into um, darker things? Did you ha have to go from softcore to hardcore? You know, you, your consumption of that darkness was insatiable to where you needed more and more. You needed more and more time. You needed more and more images. You needed more and more, et cetera. And so I would say that just that would show, it should show you that this darkness consumes you and it's insatiable. It's an insatiable appetite that is never filled. Um, and that, that uh, before we go on, I have a lot of scriptures that I want us to kind of just like read and talk about, but what do you have to say about that story so far? Yeah, I mean, it just really makes me think of how easy it is to think something so little, something, a one-time thing of uh, whether it's like porn or, or just any kind of form of, you know, perversion, really, um, in our lives, how we can so easily just think, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And we think we have control over um, the influence it has in our life. Like, we think we have um, the self-control to just say, mm, no, no, I'm good. It's the same thing with any real, any kind of addiction, really. You know, um, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, anything like that. You know, our body craves more and more of the things that we allow in our life that um, aren't of God, you know, um, and, and it's, it's different because it constantly is requiring more. Um, and it makes me also think of like nowadays, some of you watching may even have this thought or know that in our society, in our culture right now, this whole sexuality, sexuality is just everywhere and how much more porn, you know, honestly, it is so um, accessible, it is so um, available and, and, and almost everyone is exposed to it. And so our culture is so desensitized to the fact that um, it's actually so perverted and wrong. And a lot of thoughts um, about that is it's so normal and okay. You know, most people nowadays have been um, trained to think that it's just a normal part of life, a normal part of relationships and even marriages. I've heard stories of that, and, I'm, and, it, and it just really, you know, mind boggles me that men and women, but, you know, even women dealing with that, like maybe their husband or something is, is going through that, and they're just like, oh, well, it's okay, it's normal, and vice versa, you know? Um, and so I guess my point is, is that it's so dangerous for us to just go with what culture teaches us. Um, and just, just go with the flow without thinking about it for yourself. And especially if you're a Christian, especially if you're desiring to follow God and pursue um, holiness, you know, there's times in our walk where we maybe didn't realize something was um, not life-giving. And then, you know, now to find out, oh, this whole, you know, porn and like immorality and all these like sexual sins, like this is not life-giving for me, but God has a pure way of us engaging in this. You know, and so and I know it's renewing our mind and learning to think differently and understanding why God has boundaries in this area, but it's to protect us and allow us to participate in sex in the way that he intended it to be. But it's just, it's, it's scary to me how 
desensitize our culture is and how um, it really just portrays it as normal, okay, go with it, everyone does it, and it's healthy for you. There's even people in articles and books that say it's healthy for you. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's consuming. And just like this guy, I'm sure he didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to be a psychopath and, and I have this master plan. It happened over time because this addiction um, took over his life, you know. And so it's just a scary thought. Yeah. And, and even the first case of Castro kidnapping a girl was actually a, a day where it's just opportunity um, he didn't plan it out. It was just he was driving, and one of the girls that rode his school bus um, was walking, and he pulled over, and she said she needed to ride home. And because she trusted him, she got in the car with him, and he kidnapped her. Right, he made a split decision right then, and so again, that that is really how darkness works mm -hmm. is that it consumes to where those opportunities come, and you can't control yourself, yeah. and and so. The, the idea that Lauren's getting on too is the idea that seeking pleasure, um, seeking pleasure, when, when, you, um, when you start just chasing whatever feels good, uh, even within marriage, to where marriage is that they look at porn together or look at porn separately and it's just that everyone does it, what's the big deal? Um, when you make morality subjective, meaning it's just dependent on your own personal opinion or de uh, determined by culture, determined by, um, you know, relativity, it, it becomes a slippery slope. And right now, um, for example, uh, pedophilia is like all the craze right now. Um, and even finding out about the Epstein cases uh, and all of these uh, super young children that were sex trafficked by rich and powerful people and it's it's shocking and what's even more shocking is how desensitized we are to all of it coming out to where it's like oh my gosh and like we can get raved about it on social media for a minute but uh it's like it's just like well what are you gonna do you know it happens in the world and already people are have become so desensitized to um, politicians, major world leaders being involved with um, sex crimes against children. Mm -hmm. And now uh, the, the, new, the, the newest bandwagon to um, temporarily get on is the Netflix show Cuties that depicts children um, in like softcore soft porn yeah. in most people's opinion. And right now it's something that uh, that some people, not all people, are are appalled at. Yeah. Yet um, tomorrow it'll just be another thing that that society is going to accept, mm -hmm. and it's a slippery slope. And um, I I'm, I said it like ten years ago, <laughs> um, and I'll say it now that that the acceptance, the mass acceptance of pedophilia, um, is right around the corner, and that that it's a slippery slope because we've made sexuality uh, a subjective thing and um and to you know to say that encouraging ch uh, children by the age of four that they should be able to choose their gender um that even be, right now it's being encouraged that there shouldn't even be gender reveal parties um until a child is at the age to where they could choose what gender they want to be and so you're putting so much um 
so much emphasis on sexuality in a culture and um, to make such a hard, like such a ridiculous decision, a, a, such a powerful decision and giving it to a child at the age of four is it much of a difference to say um, you can also choose if you want to love an older man or not? Uh, is it much to say, you know, to give all the decision on the child and take away the parent and their, their responsibility to parent a child, you're, you're, you're putting, um, you're putting children in the hands of any manipulator, any groomer, um, to, to sway a, a child to think that that's okay and that that's their right to sleep with older men if they wanted to. Um, it's just, again, it's a slippery slope and, and I mean, love, if love, uh, love has no, like the, the biggest thing is that it, love is, is so free and so liberating that we should be able to do anything for love. And we're, we're getting into um, a lot of like big culture topics. And uh, I want to just project that is it much of a step to say that love has no age? And if love has no age, then pedophilia is okay. Y'all get what I'm saying? Um, and if, if, if anything can be done in the act of love, then pedophilia should be able to be done because it's only a couple, it's only few people that say um, pedophilia is wrong. And at the end of the day, what's the big deal? If the kid wants to, then just let him. You know, that, that's the arguments that are made. And when it's, when, again, when morality is subjective, you, you just do whatever feels good. And it, it's just, um, I, I'm starting to rant, but it, what I'm getting at is that there has to be a distinguishing between darkness and light. And um, for, for, we're kind of looking at a bigger scope, but the, the only way that darkness can grow is by the light dimming. You don't ever turn on the darkness, you only turn off the light. And so when darkness grows in a country, within a culture, or within a people, uh, even just within yourself, darkness can only grow when light begins to dim. And so, you know, looking at personal growth, um, I want to share a couple scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, it says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And the reason I want to share this verse is just Paul's talking about such a distinction between light and darkness that they just cannot commingle. And so this idea of being a Christian but allowing sexual immorality to be within your life, it's a conflict of interest. You, 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 just, can't live, you just can't live like that um, and expect there not to be a spiritual implication on you. I mean, so many people feeling like they're not saved or like that, they're, that God doesn't love them because they don't feel God's presence and they're wondering, well, I don't feel God like I used to. And nine times out of ten, it's because of sexual immorality in their lives. Um, and they're desensitized themselves to what the Holy Spirit is telling them because the Holy Spirit is telling them, don't go to his house. Don't go to her house. Don't look at this. Don't look at that. But you stifle, you ignore the Holy Spirit to where you ignore the Holy Spirit long enough, he's going to stop speaking to you. you his, the presence, his presence will leave. Um, I want to share another verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6-13, it says, 
Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you'll be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. This is an important part to look at, okay? It says, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You should have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. And so I feel like this is a really heavy verse to digest. And what Paul is really saying is that the world has no obligation to live in sexual purity like Christians do. So I, I would go as far to say the viewpoints on governmental laws that are uh, enforcing governmental laws to be Christian-based is a biased stance that I, I think have a lot of positive uh, reasons and influences and affect the world and our country. But at the end of the day, I... I Paul is saying that that unbelievers have no obligation to to live holy lives without Christ. It, it's pointless to live a holy life while choosing to to be an unbeliever. It, there's no reason for anyone that doesn't want to be a Christian to live a pure and holy life. There's not. There's not any reason for someone that is not a Christian to obey the laws of God. There's there's no there's no spiritual standing for them because. They, they choose not to believe in him. Um, now, when it comes to the Christian and those who call themselves believers, that's where Paul is saying like, okay, that's where we draw a line in the sand. And so the idea of, of uh, like, it's like I think of people who are so, like on the streets yelling at people, repent, like be holy, or uh, God hates this person, God hates this kind of person. And it's just ludicrous. It's, it's idiotic because... Um, Jesus goes to the sinner and shows compassion, but those within inside the the temple, he 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 whipped and threw over tables. But to the to those who were unbelievers, still those who were sinners, he was gentle and kind and compassionate. But he was rough with those who were already inside the church. You know uh, what? I'm I'm saying a lot of things, but what are your thoughts on this, Lauren? Yeah. Um... I mean, it just, it's just a really powerful, like, scripture, um, and it just makes me think of, like, at the end of the day, like, like, when you're really wanting to pursue God, you've made that personal decision. You want to be a Christian. You've understood what Jesus has done for you, and you're in love with him, and, and you're learning more about him, and you want what he has to offer in your life. 
here's the thing it's like it's it, that's amazing but it's so common even just like Paul way back is saying like it's so common to like want all of that and we hear about the commandments. We know about grace. You know, we can't fulfill all the commandments. We're sinners. We're going to mess up. And so there's grace. But at the end of the day, I feel like sexual sin is like the one sin that especially Christians try to justify so much and try to go around it so yeah. much. And when it talks about murder, it's like, oh, well, like if you murder someone as a Christian, you'd be like, yeah, I know that's wrong, man. Like I just like I got mad, you know, Um <laughs> It's a crazy example, right? Or like, you know, I stole something. Yeah, I understand it's wrong. There's really no going around it. I stole it. Oh, man. Like, I, I really ask God for forgiveness. I'm not going to do that again. But sexual sin, it's like, I mean, is it really wrong, though? Like, we've been together for a while. We love each other. We love each other. We're going to get married. Or we don't believe in marriage because our families were divorced. And so we're <laughs> not going to get married, but we're Christian. And we're just going to do it. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, or, oh, it just happened. And just like, I, it's just, I struggle with it. So it's really difficult for me not to. And so, you know, I'm just going to see how it goes. And there's so many different excuses that we've all had. But why is it that with this sin... You know, it's so easy as Christians to make so many excuses and try to find so many loopholes around it. Yeah. And and I we know the struggle is oh, real. Yeah. Are we sitting here are we sitting here on this end saying just be pure guys, like it's easy, like just we, calm we down. We dated for six months. Yeah, we dated for six months. <laughs> we, we do not believe in long engagements. Yeah. <laughs> so we loved each other. We really felt that we were making the right decision and believe that God was leading us to each other. So we didn't just get married like, oh, like you're hot, let's have sex and be Christians and get married, um, or get married and have sex. But we really also felt like we were compatible and we were supposed to yeah. live our lives together. But once we knew that, we're like like, what are we waiting for? You know, as, um, you know, Christian or not, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how long you pray that day, the, the flesh desires that. And so we're not here pointing the finger and saying, you should never feel tempted. You should never feel those weird urges, weird, and you shouldn't fall into sin. We get that the struggle is real and the temptation is real. But at the end of the day, God He's the one who created sex. He's the one that knows that we have these desires. He wants us to enjoy that, but he simply gave us boundaries to enjoy it. And just like we're talking about today, it has been perverted by the enemy. It has been perverted by our culture, but we have been so desensitized, especially as Christians um, and taught by our culture that the way that we see it now, which is perverted, is the right way and is okay. But we're all we're doing today is sharing with you that just like y'all, us, we've had a realization as we really learn more about God's word um, and, and sex in the Bible of what the truth is versus what our culture is trying to lie to us about. And ultimately, the enemy trying to pervert what was supposed to be good, he has tried to make it completely perverted. And so um, as Christians, we have to take this serious as well. We have to take the the, the sexual uh, uh, purity uh, um, um, as serious as we can and we get that it's uh, genuinely difficult but we are here with you and it is possible it is very possible to um, really pursue purity in this area and so yeah um, just and it, just like even it, it makes me think of like in a marriage too you know we're talking about our relationship with Christ and abstaining from sexual sin you know the sin part of it not saying don't ever have sex like have sex in the way God created it to be 
But even in marriage, it's like if we got married, it's like, oh, yeah, I love each other. Like we're, you know, he's my everything. But yet he was like, yeah, but I'm still going to do this and this. Or I'm, you know, or I'm like, yeah, I love him. He's my everything. I've committed my life to him. Like we are going to do life together forever. Like my heart is completely his. Oh, yeah, but I, I still like to do this or I'm still going to, you know, cheat or go off and do this or that. Like, of course not. Right. But it's like a relationship. Like if you've been in a relationship like that, obviously you don't want to be in that relationship. Um, so how much more our relationship with God? Like he we've given him our whole heart, but yet we're like, oh, yeah, God, but I'm still going to go hit it up and do this and that whenever I want because it just feels good and it's too hard to not. You know, and so um, it's just as important as our relationship with God. So those are some things that come to mind. Yeah, and I think it's really powerful what you're saying is at the end of the day, you you can't justify, um, you you can't justify sin because of pleasure, and you can't replace the word pleasure with love. It's just that at the end of the day, that that's typically what we do. Yeah. And I I want to I want to just kind of. go in I want to touch on this real quick and um you know I when it comes to the idea of sex and sexuality um uh, uh an important topic that I think needs to be discussed better within churches is the topic of homosexuality and I I want to do my best not to tippy toe around it um and be clear that from from the way that we read scripture Uh, and that we understand biblical truth is that homosexuality is a sin. And now I want to say that so is uh, heterosexual heterosexual, uh, sex, premarital sex, Mm -hmm. and so is adultery. And so what, what I feel like has happened in culture is that homosexuality has been like completely demonized while giving allowance for other sins. Um, And that's, that's messed up. And I'll go as far to say that I believe that we're all born this way. And the idea of being born with same-sex attractions, I think, is a real thing. The Bible says that we're all born with a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, don't, I don't really doubt for a second that anyone is born with same-sex attractions. I think that it's something that, that um, is between them and God that they have to work out if they choose to pursue God in their life. And, but the idea that um, it's I think that the idea of it just being like just a random choice that someone had one day I think it's pretty far-fetched and and also a limited perspective like maybe that's not how what that maybe that's how it was for you but I think that the it's as simple as that we are all born with this sinful nature mm-hmm. and there's uh, even scientific reasoning behind it I mean, when you think of even just, uh, I'm not trying to compare homosexuality with an addiction. Um, I'm not trying to say the two are the same. What I'm trying to do is is equate the idea of sinfulness being part of our nature, even within our DNA as humans, is that even when it comes to an addiction, like that is some, anyone that has struggled with addiction, it literally takes over your entire life to where it is it is so difficult, sometimes nearly impossible, to not live out an addiction, mm-hmm. uh, to not chase something, and it has been found that even like within a di- an addiction, that it is actually ingrained in a person's uh, brain. That it's literally, you know, it, at one time it's called a disease, and it's 
are, but people with uh, strong addictions literally have different brain patterns uh, that, that happen compared to, you know, a quote unquote normal person. And, and there's a lot of studies that, um, you know, that are showing that. And so the, I guess what I'm getting at is that, that that all to me is just defining, uh, just science proving the Bible's truth. That we're all born with sinful nature and all of it, all sin, all of our sinful nature has to be brought to the cross and God works things out. And every person's journey is different. Every person's um, walk with God is different. And at the end of the day, that's between them and God. Like what, what I think infuriates me when it comes to the church um, is uh, like just going, taking a couple steps back to when gay marriage was legalized. Um, there's so many Christians that were like uh, really violently attacking that and it was with the the pursuit of like well God made Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve it's like so crazy like really just like stupid stuff like if I think of something that sounds witty then I'm smart it's like no you're actually dumb as hell like that's not really good and the the idea of of uh, demonizing people for this, uh, for what what they believe is sin, while still engaging in sin themselves, I, I would love to see on a, a transparent spectrum of how many people pointed the finger at gay marriage, while still actually living in premarital sex themselves. Yeah. And how can you justify that? How can you justify the con- condemnation when it's you who should be condemned for your own actions? Mm. Y'all get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the, this idea of throwing the stone, like G, throwing the first stone, it's you, you're damning yourself because if you were to measure that same rod of sexual perversion or sexual immorality, whatever you want to label it as, would you be able to hold up that? And, and, and you know, just taking a step back to what Paul was saying earlier about it's not our job to judge unbelievers. He says that's God's job. He says it is our job to judge those within the church. And what he's saying is anyone that is is claiming to be a Christian but has no pursuit to have God enter in their lives, it's like, why are you here? You know, that's what he's really getting at and that there needs to be a pursuit. And if you're like, well, I just don't care. Well, then you're trampling on the blood of Jesus and there's not a point for you to be here. That's what he's getting at. Um, I want to just share a couple of verses before we wrap things up. Um, and there's a lot of them. I just feel like they speak for themselves. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24, it says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. Notice that it keeps expounding on light and darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure eagerly, uh, and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I would really want to project to anybody that um, has any 
any struggle with sin, whether it's, uh, you know, just sex before marriage, whether it's pornography, or maybe you have had same-sex attractions and you're feeling confused about what we're talking about, but there's something in you saying, like, this is true. Um, notice how he's saying, throw off your old way of life. And, and he says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I mean, think about... When I think about how I used to view sex compared to before I was a Christian to now as a Christian, it's completely different because mm-hmm. the Spirit of God and His Word has renewed the way that I think about it. Mm-hmm. And it, every Christian that calls themselves a believer should pursue the Spirit of God to renew how they see things, especially when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. And that means throwing off the unbridled lust that we've had before. Before, it's sleep with whoever, do whatever feels good. That's what Disney taught us. Follow your heart. And my heart says, dang. (laughs) So that's not what God teaches us, though. It says that our heart is incredibly deceitful Mm -hmm. and leads us astray. And I want to share some more verses. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and bring us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Mm-hmm. And finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, it says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin. Notice how it says who indulge. It doesn't say someone who, who tripped up in it. It's saying indulge. That means just like unbridled pursuit. Mm-hmm. Indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our Lord. Notice that he's, he says all these things and he's not condemning, labeling like, if, you, if you've ever struggled with this and you're going to hell. He, he's not saying that. He says, some of you were like this, indulging in whatever felt good. And he says, but now you've found the truth of God and you've turned from that, that path. And you no longer indulge in it. He didn't say that you never struggle with it, but he says you no longer indulge in it like you you did before. And the, the verse that I read before, I uh, just want to jump back real quick in James when it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testings and temptations. And so it's saying that there's a reward for when you endure through it and come out pure, that it is difficult, but that we as Christians were called to to pers- uh persevere past that um so anything that you want to say on this before we wrap things up Um, i know i just like kind of just like fire hydrant all that out yeah no i mean it was all great um i mean there's so much to like think about on this topic and talk about but i mean i i like that second verse that you shared about like how um god is not the one that tempts us like sometimes we even think that you know like well god take this out of my life um 
but the truth is, is, is God doesn't do the tempting. And just like Homer said, you know, God is not saying if you feel tempted, then you should feel guilty and shamed and I'm disappointed in you. God does not say if you're feeling tempted and struggling with these different sins, then shame on you. It's what we do in that temptation. And I love that verse because God wants you to know like from his heart that he rewards you when you push through, when you rely on his spirit to give you the grace in those times of weakness to decide um, uh, the better choice rather than the wrong choice, you know, because ultimately it's not God just wanting you to follow his rules to be a good person. It's God saying, I know where this will lead and it will destroy you. This one time that you think if I give in this one time, it's no big deal. God sees the bigger picture and he knows that it's a consuming darkness that will consume you. One time leads to another, to another. And before you know it, you're in a situation that you never thought you'd be in. You know, it makes me think of just like rape and all these ugly things. You know, I don't think that these people necessarily wake up saying, I want to do this. I want to hurt someone today. No, but it's that one thing that continued to lead um, to these ugly, scary actions. I don't think most people wake up wanting to initially ever do. So God sees, you know, these moments of weakness and he rewards us um, with life and with his goodness when we decide and, and stay strong. And there's times, yes, like you said, like this is not a message to condemn you for those times that we trip up because the Bible says a godly trips seven times, but they get back up. You know, it says that no one can stand before God and say, I have never sinned. God knows that we fall into sin, but we're talking about rather than indulging, renewing your mind and making an effort and relying on God to help you resist those temptations and watching him reward you, you know, and and it makes me think of a verse that says there's a way before um, each person that seems right, but it leads to death. You know, it makes me think of that concept, follow your heart. Sometimes there's opportunities before that, oh, this seems right. Like, I'm feeling it. I'm vibing. Like, you know, I met this person on, you know, this um, dating thing, and he seems all cool. And before you know it, like, but you have this, like, feeling inside maybe, this nudge, like, it's not safe. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But yet you just ignore that, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to protect you, and you go, and then you figure out what, you know, something hopefully not you get my point right um and so what i'm saying is is sometimes it seems right but if you really listen to um the holy spirit and allow him to help you resist those temptations it is rewarding god will reward you and and he knows the bigger picture even when you don't see what the big deal is like what's the big deal of this god sees it because he He's not just trying to get you to be a good person and and be his, you know, A honor roll student. Like, oh, this one's my perfect little Christian boy. Like, he does everything right. He has stars all week, you know, in school. I don't know. Um, But it's more so to protect you as a loving father because he wants the best for you. And he wants your life to to continue to be um, all that he's called it to be. And so I I could go on and on, but it makes me think of that, Homer. Yeah, and and thanks for sharing that, Lauren. It's really Mm -hmm. powerful. I love how you close things up. And, you know, and, and really just, uh, I feel like the heart of that we need to go to from here is like, really do your best and forget the rest. And that, um, God is not, uh, God is not condemning us, but he's trying to guide us and that, that the, the laws that he's created for us and that the, the intentions of sex is so good. And, I think that there's a fear within people that they're missing out 
um, if they if they wait till marriage yeah. um, and then what if I never get to experience X Y Z not the strip club the yeah. just like oh, etc. Okay, well, I don't even know. <laughs> um, but uh, the <laughs> that's so. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't even know how to recover from that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, but the uh, moving, moving to, uh, moving to really just living for the spirit and turning away from our flesh. Uh, live for the spirit and turn from our flesh. And I just want to share these last verses as we as we close out. In First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three through five, it says, "God's will is for you to be holy." So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Mm-hmm. It's just showing like this, again, just this complete, un, uh, when we just have no bridle on our sexuality or our passions or our lust, it always compares us to the pagans or uh, and pagan uh, paganism was all about sex orgies like some of y'all are like well shoot maybe i should be getting into that <laughs> it's it, that's all it was like the form of worship was just complete sexual immorality and and uh sex orgies to have sex with whoever whenever it, pedophilia was the norm in paganism and and add on to that is child sacrifice but that it was all centered around sexual pleasure, and um, and I want to share this last one, Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter five, verse uh, verse thir- uh, seventeen through twenty four says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants, and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. I, I feel like this is a powerful verse to end on. And it's because it, it gives this this reality that we are all sinful in nature that we are all born with sinful desires no matter what they are and that it's not our job to point the finger at others but it's our job to nail our passions our own passions you can't try to nail somebody else's passions to the cross that's between them and God mm-hmm. it's our job to deal with our own hearts and nail our our passions and our lustful all this sinful nature to, to, to the cross and that when we endure through these temptations that we will be rewarded but that is what 
Jesus has called us to. That is the lifestyle that God has called us to. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's no way around it. As Christians, we, we need to take this serious and stop making excuses of why we can just do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. Anything you want to add? Yeah, it makes me think of two things as we close up. Um, the importance of feeding our spirit and being practical to really pursue this like you know purity and holiness and not fall into the consuming darkness of perversion mm-hmm. and and you know like the scripture is talking about like your um, the spirit produces all of these good things so if you have decided to take this walk with Jesus and be a Christian it's important to feed your spirit how do you feed your spirit by spending time with God getting into his word we talk about that all the time as a Christian it's not just an emotional daily thing like God feels good. Oh, I love this song, Caleb. Okay, I'm good. You know, that's all great. You know, bless Caleb and worship songs. But it's more than that. Educate yourself in what the Bible says about this talk, a topic about everything else. Get the word inside of your spirit because when you do that, your spirit grows stronger than your flesh. It says, just like one of the scriptures say, it's constantly fighting against each other. Your spirit and your flesh is always fighting against each other. One wants one thing, the other wants the other. So when you feed your spirit, it's getting stronger and stronger, right? You know, and when you educate yourself, you form a foundation of knowledge of the Bible and of what God says, it guides your daily life and your actions. Because the scripture that you that you begin to learn about comes to mind in these times of testing. Yeah. You know, honestly, there's times in my life where it's like I, I'm dealing with something, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, and like because I've taken time over the course of my journey with God to like get into the word and be hungry for it, the scripture literally comes to mind in those moments. But when we're empty and we don't feed ourselves spiritually, you know, what are you going to fight with? What are you going to fight the flesh with? You're going to have nothing but just an emotional, you know, Christian walk. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it's real, you know, so you have to get in the word and whatever that works in your lifestyle, you know, you have to take time with Jesus, pray, whether it's journaling, whether it's, you know, and I'm not saying it has to be so much or every day. I know the struggle is real, but just get in, in the way that you can and feed your spirit because your spirit is real and it's alive and it and the more you feed it the stronger it gets against these things and you begin to desire what the spirit wants because you are feeding yeah. your spirit but when you feed your flesh the the bible has scriptures that talk about that when you feed your flesh and you go what your flesh wants then it's only going to grow in this darkness and you know so it's spiritual but it's also practical you know as a christian you can read the bible all day long and still feel tempted and even still give in if you're not practical so it's it's like oh i'm gonna go to a strip club but i'm not gonna look i'm just not gonna (laughs) look yeah and that's an extreme example i don't know if anyone's ever really done that but my point is be practical dude you can't go to the strip club because you're gonna look it's right there if you have if you feel like social media has been um this this open opportunity but you haven't told anyone and you feel you know nervous about it. like well social media everyone has social media but that's between you and god and your you you and so i know that that's a big open door these days if you feel personally like that's kind of creating this wedge and making this big hole for you to fall in then maybe take a break from it maybe you know figure out a way to to protect yourself but you've got to be practical 
when it comes to relationships, all that stuff, you know, you can't spend the night every night and expect not to have sex soon. <laughs> you know, like if you're laying with each other, but you're not married yet and you want to do it the right way, you're going to have sex if you're just not being practical. So yeah. we've talked about that before. I guess my point is, is be spiritual about it and, and do what you got to do spiritually. But practically, you can't put yourself in these situations where you're just going to give in. You have to take yourself out of the situation. And it um, ending on this, it makes me think of in Proverbs, how it says that there is this naive man or naive boy walking down this dark street. And there's this, you could probably like um, share it better. But, and there's this promiscuous lady calling out to him, coming in, uh, come over here. You know, I have everything ready for you. And he went up like a sheep to the slaughter. And, and it talked about at the beginning how he could have gone another way, but he decided to just walk by that way. And he, and, am I right? Like something like that, where it's like he knew like what was there, but he went anyways and he was planning to just go by, but she happened to be there and she happened to call up and he ended up giving in to the sexual morality. And so um, read it yourself. I will let you, if you want to know it's there, but it's every time I read it, I'm like, wow, like it's talking about the power of like, you know, don't go where you know there's going to be temptation. Go the other way, dude. Like, you're not going to see this chick if you go to the other street and get yourself home. You know, and so for the same in our life, we have to try to avoid those areas that we know are a temptation for us. And so, yeah, that's what I have to say. Yeah, you know, it, it just makes me think of our core value that victory happens with transparency. And, you know, at the at the end of all this, if you're a person and you're saying, like, I'm really struggling, I don't know how to do this. I've tried and I just feel like I always fall. Yeah. Victory happens with transparency and when we, uh, when you can confide in somebody and talk with them, that's accountability and we really wanna encourage you to find that. And if you don't know who to call, you can always call us, text us, message us, and we'd love to be there for you. Um, and uh, all that being said, maybe at, at some point of our in this message today, in this conversation, you felt like there's just like this calling with inside of your heart that you know you need to get right with God. And maybe you were, maybe you grew up in church, but it was just never really real for you. It was something that your family just did. And this whole talk about sexual immorality and purity, all this stuff is making you just realize that your relationship with God is not as real as you thought it was. And if that's you, or maybe just throughout this whole talk, you're just like, I've never thought about it like this. I, I've never really took God serious, and I want to today. The Bible says in the book of Romans that all you have to do to start this journey is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, and that he rose from the dead. When you do this, it's making him your, the Lord of your life, the Savior to your soul, and you're saying, I want to uh, put my morality subject to God's morality. And that's what really making him Lord means, is that it's no longer just whatever I say, it's what I think believe God says. Mm -hmm. And if that's you, just have a prayer with him, and an authentic one where you tell Jesus that you're ready to start now. Why wait till tomorrow? Why wait till another day? Let it be today that you start taking this serious. Mm -hmm. And if you need help walking through that journey, please message us, and maybe you don't even know how to make the prayer, We'll pray with you, dude. Yeah. Uh, we, we'd love to. But we want you to try making a prayer first by yourself. Just make a genuine prayer. It doesn't have to sound fancy. Just say, God, I really need you right now. I really believe you and I need you. 
Um, with that being said, we're so grateful for you guys being a part of today's message. Um, this whole talk about sex, this whole month has just been pretty exciting. You yeah, know what it's I mean? Been crazy. <laughs> it's, um, hopefully, it hasn't aroused any uh, negative thoughts for you guys. So mm-hmm. maybe it's hopefully it's all just been in pursuit of holiness. Yes. Um, but maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a church talk about sex. It's such a needed topic. We wouldn't be able to minister or talk about the things that we talk about if it wasn't for those who give, who donate, who tithe. Because of you guys, we are able to continue to, uh, to, to prepare these messages, continue to meet with people. Uh, we, we are able to have one-on-ones with people, so many phone calls, so many texts. When I look at Lauren's phone and she has paragraphs of messages of, of so many different people and moms that she's responding to, I, my head literally spins and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you are so invested in, in these people. Yeah. And she wouldn't be able to do that, uh, to be able to reach and connect with these moms if it wasn't for those who donate to Grape Top Church. Um, and so if you have it on your heart to give today, maybe just maybe just right there, just talking about sex when no one else is talking about sex, that's a reason alone to, to have it moved on your heart to start giving And if that's you, you can do that by just going to gravetop.com. Click the Give tab. You can click Give now, and it tells you how to give online straight from there. You can even give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. You can even text to give. Um, But we want you to know that your gift really makes a difference. It helps us to live out our purpose, which is to love God, love people, and make a difference. We can only do those three things when it's uh, when people help support the vision of Grape Top Church. Um, so we love you guys. We hope you all have a great rest of your evening. Um, we're going to try to get some rest today. Yeah. Um, it's been a long weekend, but yeah. uh, we care about y'all. Message us and have a great night. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.